Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you again for joining us. If this is your first time, welcome. We're glad to have you here with us on Thriving Entrepreneur. Today we want to talk about the things that we can transform in our own lives. All of us, I hope, are going from where we are to where we can be. We're growing from now to then. We're going from where we are to where we're going to be. And that's a good thing. That really, truly is. Um, There's an old saying that is... Control what you can, and don't worry about what you can't control. Now that's tough for us because we want so badly to control things around us. We want to be in control of what's going on. So, you know, we wake up in the morning and it's raining outside and we had plans to do something out in the yard or we had a picnic planned or those kind of things. And, uh, you know, we try to control that somehow or we allow that thing that we couldn't control to in turn control us. We lose our cool, we whatever, because of something we can't control. And so it's really important that we understand the difference between the things that we can control and the things we can't control. You know, we can control how we respond to situations. We don't have to. We can react to them and explode and do whatever happens uh, with a no thought, no plan, um, but we can respond. And those are the kind of things that we have control over. We have the ability to make choice and control ourselves. Sometimes that ability, those choices are nearly impossible. Sometimes they're very limited, most all of the time. In difficult situations, they feel very difficult. But the truth of the matter is, is is that regardless of how it may feel, we have the control over how we show up in the situation. Now, we don't have control of the other people. Um, It brings up a really great concept. Um, In counseling, they talk about, um, you know, a tennis court in a relationship. I mean, whether that's your interaction with somebody or a more personal or intimate relationship, you have, imagine in your mind, a tennis court. And in the middle of the court is a net. And so when the ball, when a situation is on your side of the net, that's yours to deal with. How you feel, how you react, how you uh, go forward from what happens when quote-unquote, the ball comes over to your side. Those are the things that are yours to deal with. On the other side of the net is the other person. And they have all of the things that are going on in their life, the emotions, the events of their day, all of that kind of stuff. And in a relationship, we bat the ball back and forth. That's things like communication, interaction, nonverbal, all of those things. 
and that's that back and forth in any form of relationship, whether it be the shortest term relationship, you know, a um, a person at a at a drive up or a grocery store or whatever that you're going to interact with for a minute or two, all the way to you know the most intimate of marriage. Um, and permanent commitment type of relationships, parent-child relationships, things like that. Um, and we have to learn the concept of maintaining and dealing with our side of the net and allowing what's on the other side of the net to be theirs. And that's tough. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many counseling degrees you have. That's a learned talent. And that's tough. What we all want to do as people is leap over that net and go over to that side and rescue that person or deal with that thing. Or, uh, you know, if we're empathic, to feel their emotions for them rather than being empathic and understanding completely, maybe even feeling within ourselves deeply the pain that they're feeling, we jump the net and we go and try to feel that for them Um, rather than allowing them to go through what they have to go through. And, uh, you know, that's how the healthy version of controlling what you can and don't worry about what you can't control comes in. We can control those things on our side of the net. And the stuff on the other side of the net is things that are outside of our control in every realm, whether that be in relationships and things that come our way and incidences, you know, you get stuck in traffic. Um, You know, it happens. You don't really have any control over that. You can work your way to the next exit and get off that highway and go a different route. That's your control, but you can't control the traffic. You know, you don't have the ability to just snap your fingers and uh, have all the cars in front of you part and let you go through. Um, Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) All of us that have been stuck in traffic, we, we would love to have that power, but it just isn't real. Um, And the same is true inside of us. We have the ability to make changes, to identify where we are, and then identify where we want to go, where are we headed, and then make the choices that empower us to get to where we're going. Now, we don't have to make those choices. We can choose to um, either slow down or stall our process towards that goal that we set. We can also make the choice to change that goal, to learn to know better and to do better. You know, we may be headed down one path and then find ourselves needing to go the other direction because of the fact that we've learned more information. Um, And that's okay to make those changes. Those are the kind of things we can do. Um, And like I said, we can also choose to know that where we're headed is where we should be going and uh, slow down to stall ourselves out completely, to choose things that don't take us that direction. We have the ability, we have the right to be able to do that. Um, Whether that's going to serve us or not, well, that's probably not. In fact, we know it isn't going to, uh, you know, be of value in our own personal lives to stall ourselves from the dream, from the goal that we're headed towards. But we do have control over that. The good news is that we have the control over and the ability to be able to change 
those things that we've been doing, the things that have been hindrances to us and are keeping us from reaching our ultimate destiny, our final goal to being all that we can be, the person that we were meant to be in this world and really make that difference. So today I've got a couple of really great authors for you, more of our best-selling authors that have amazing books that are going to help you look at your own life and be able to put in some simple things that you can then institute to allow you to make the change that you want to make, to control the things that are worth controlling, but also learn how to take the things that are worth letting go and letting them go. Sometimes that seems hard, but it's so powerful. I hope that you will join with us today as we take this journey, walking you another step down the road towards being a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Now we want to dive in with our best-selling authors and really look at that thing that is us, that person that we are, and how shapeable, how formable we really can be and the changes that we do have the ability to make and some simple solutions to get there. All right. We want to talk about a popular subject today. Uh, many of you have probably watched the popular TV show, uh, The Walking Dead, um, and today we're going to talk about zombies, <laughs> um, sort of. <laughs> I'm joined by best-selling author Jay Kister. His book, Zombie Awake, feel empowered, joyful, focused, and connected to God in 16 minutes a day. So we're really going to talk about how to come out of being in a zombie state. Hey, Jay, how you doing today? Doing awesome. Thank you. I, you know, from the very beginning, of course, I've loved the name of your book, but um, tell us first just a little bit about you, and then we're going to go into uh, the whole zombie thing. All right. That sounds good. Well, a little bit about me. I am uh, a proud father of eight children, and uh, we live out here in Mesa, Arizona now, and we have been on this uh this path, I, you would say, this path of growth for many, many years. And really, it's uh, my children that have really inspired me 
to dig into and find how I can better be a better balanced person, be more, uh, you know, connected with myself and with them and learn how to get out of myself, I guess, uh, might be a good way to say it. And, uh, one of, uh, I don't know, you want me to get right into the story? <laughs> yeah, so tell us, I mean, how did you come up with Zombie Awake? Tell me the story. All right. Well, uh, it, did, it didn't first start out that way, but uh, back, well, when our second son was born, he was born premature, and he had all kinds of problems, and in the hospital encountered more problems. And one of those problems was a grade three bleed in the brain, which is... Uh, grade four is you don't recover from. So he was right on the edge um, uh, of a very severe uh, bleed in the brain. And the doctors told us that he would probably never be able to learn, you know, he'd never be able to go to school or learn to read or write or do anything. Um, so we didn't quite like that diagnosis. Um, so we went to work on how we could help him. And we came across some, some great resources, some awesome people who really helped us understand how the brain works and that the brain, even when it's severely damaged like his was, uh, doesn't mean that that's a life sentence and that you can repair. And of course, everyone's different, but uh, he, he had a good pro prognosis that we could do a lot of healing. So we started to put a lot of the um, uh, exercises in place. And when you have a child who's um, severely uh, mentally injured and, and also has all other kinds of physical problems, uh, they don't necessarily are like excited to like exercise. <laughs> if you, most of us aren't excited to exercise, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, so it took a lot of understanding how what really motivates us to do it. And one of the things that really motivates us is uh, our connectedness together or our community, right? So when you hang out with a lot of people and that's what they do for fun is they exercise, you end up doing that because that's just who you're around. And so one thing we had to learn with the family is if we wanted him to do his exercises, we needed to do them also. And we needed to have fun while we were doing that. So we continued to um, modify and learn and grow as he began to improve. It was a great encouragement. Um, and some of those encouragement, you know, things that we saw is that he was able to learn to eat by himself, which was awesome. Uh, he was able to learn to crawl and then to walk. He was able to um, learn to speak. Uh, he was able to learn eventually to read later on. Um, and one of the biggest things I know a lot of parents will uh, maybe connect with and appreciate his tantrums got a lot less <laughs> uh, because of his frustration limited abilities. He would, he would have severe tantrums um, over what we might consider nothing. Right. And as we would do these exercises and he would feel connected more with himself and he would progress and be able to communicate uh, those tantrums really begin to 
<laughs> to decrease. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of fun that this year uh, we, I'm actually releasing this book because uh, he just graduated high school. And uh, he graduated with a 3.4 GPA, which for us is just phenomenal. And we're so excited for him and, uh, you know, all that he's going to get to do with his life now. And, uh, and as for our other children, as we did these exercises with them, and they didn't have any limit, limits, right, or didn't have the same uh, issues that he had. It was amazing to see their progress and how much they were able to increase. And I'll, I'll tell you, my other children, I mean, they are just uh, amazing superstars in my mind because they, they're way better than I ever was when I was their age. The way they uh, read and devour books and uh, they're so social and they have so many talents and they love working on their talents and they, they set goals and they, they work to accomplish them all things that I never grew up with. That was not a, um, something that, that I necessarily did growing up or had those kind of role models. And to see them uh, really taking charge of their life opened my door to like really introspect, why am I not doing this? Why am I not uh, being as accomplished as my children, right? Um, and they, they look at me as the role model. So I really set to, to work over years to kind of put this together. And of course, we started with the physical because the physical was, um, well, that was the main problems with our son was the physical issues. And we had to overcome those physical issues first. And that's why in the book, uh, we start out talking about the physical. And you got to take care of your physical body first um, before you can do anything else. And I talk about several uh, problems I encountered in my life going through with a severe back injury and not being able to walk or move for almost a month, uh, which uh, severely, uh, it was an eye-opener, let's just say that. And I talk about how much of an eye-opener that was and how I needed to really um, start to come to grips with myself. But as we did the physical then we started to really work on his mental we go there in the book with the, with his mind of course our intention really was to help with those temper tantrums uh so working on the emotional side of things and then all of this really helped me come to uh know god better as i began to connect with myself physically mentally and emotionally I was all of a sudden opened up to a new place where uh, I could really see outside my own limited scope of my little world and see that there's so many more people out there that I can help. There's, there's so much more that I feel God wants me to do that that connection was really a great blessing uh, in my life. It was, uh, I'm not sure how to put it in words, but uh it uh, it gave me the strength and hope to actually sit down and write this book <laughs> and put all of this together so that I could open it up to the world, right? And the other great lesson I guess I'm going to throw in there to kind of tag because you mentioned it in the beginning was I grew up 
with the mentality that if you didn't work hard, you wouldn't get it. Okay. So if you wanted money, you wanted uh, whatever you want in your life, you wanted houses and cars, you had to work hard. And that's where I spent a lot of my early life and my early working life is working 60, 80, 100 hour weeks to work hard to, you know, chase that ever elusive dollar, right? And as I came to understand how your mind and your body really works, it doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes focus time. And that's where we really came up with the 16 minutes and 16 minutes. You can break that up into four segments and in four minutes, you can focus on your physical you know, four minutes. You focus on your emotional four minutes, your mental and then four minutes in connecting with God. And in those 16 minutes, you can be fully balanced every day as soon as you wake up. And one of those great blessings I learned from, uh, Stephen Covey is uh, one of his stories that I, that I really love is he says, you got to pick something you can be successful at first thing in the morning. And one of the best things to do is to actually wake up when your alarm gets off. That was always a very hard one for me. Um, but as you do it and you just pick these 16 minutes and you do it every morning, you're an absolute success in all aspects of your life from the very get-go of the morning. So no matter how the rest of your day goes, you've already done the most important things. You're already balanced, you've already been successful. So whatever else happens, happens. But at least you've started it the right way. And that's kind of the whole premise of the book and it guides you through the exercises and guides you through, depending on what level you are, because not everyone's gonna you know, wake up and run a four minute mile. I know I'm not, <laughs> but, uh, but some people will. So, but, you know, whatever level you're at, it breaks it down so that you can really focus on getting those four minutes in each section done and be that success. That's awesome. So, um, zombie-itis. How yeah. do we diagnose if we have zombieitis? That's a great question. And, and here's kind of the, the, the metaphor that I was going with. As I mentioned before, like if you hang out with athletes uh, or people that exercise, you're going to end up doing what they do. Very much it happens in, in zombieitis. And the whole pop culture uh, with zombies, zombies are the only uh, horror monsters, if you will, that actually hunt in packs. So, um, and it's kind of why I picked that because a lot of times we get into our packs, our zombie packs, we feel very comfortable in that zone, wherever we're living, we feel very comfortable and safe in that place. So we just can end up doing the same things day after day, week after week, year after year, right? We just, we end up in the same place, living that same life that really kind of melts together and doesn't, it doesn't become life. It just becomes existence. And so what I really am pushing for and seeking in the book is to help people get away from that zombie 
uh, lifestyle that, that you've, we, we all put ourselves in that zombie state because it's easy and comfortable. So it's how do we get out of that and how do we find different new communities uh, to expand ourselves and live the life that, that God wants us to live, not just the life that, uh, that life puts us in. And uh, I've been in several zombie packs myself throughout my life, which I'll talk about. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of get into that feeling of I'm just average. I can't really, I'm not really here to do anything extraordinary. I just kind of do my thing. And, um, you know, people leave me alone. I leave people alone and, and life is good, right? Um, but life really isn't good when we live that way. And there's so much more to live for. And one of the key places to start, if you can, is with your family. So I was lucky to start this with young kids. And uh, young kids are easy to, uh, easier to uh, uh, mold, I guess that's the right word. But as they get older and they become teenagers, they do the same, <laughs> you know, uh, they don't want to wake up. They don't want to do anything with the family. They're too cool for this or that. Uh, so, you know, there's those struggles you go through. But I have found that as you're consistent, you surround yourself with a better community, your children um, strive for that. And that's, that's beautiful to see. And then uh, your friends strive for that. And how you can find out if you have zombieitis, and I'm glad you asked because a lot of people have asked me that. So I've put together a complete zombieitis assessment, and we're just going through the final um, uh, technical uh, quirks in putting it all together. But it should be ready here um, before the book launch, and we'll have that. We'll be launching that out so people can take the zombieitis assessment see where they are uh, more or less zombied, you know, in the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, where they need to focus. And then I put together some of those uh, fun whiteboard cartoons, you know, where the, the person's drawing on the whiteboard. Yeah. kind of walks you through, uh, you know, your symptoms and what to look out for and then uh, points you to where in the book you can, uh, you really focus to get out of wherever you're, you're most, you're in most harm's way or most acting like a zombie. And you can uh, get that quiz at zawake.com forward slash quiz. That's right. Yep. That's the one. The book is called Zombie Awake. It's written by Jay Kister. Jay, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, sharing your story and helping us all wake up and coming out of that zombie state. I look forward to helping everyone. It's a fun journey. Life is a fun journey. Four really simple steps, 16 minutes out of your day to set your day up to help you come awake to not live and just kind of passively make it through life, but really truly be alive, alert, and awake in all that you do. That's an important and powerful way to live our lives. And it allows us to show up and be the person that we can be. And that is definitely something that is within our grasp. It's within our control. It's something that we can tangibly do 
to be able to be the best version of ourselves and to make the biggest impact that we can make in the world as we continue down the path to being a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. You're listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Oh boy, this is going to be a fun one because we're talking today about physical intelligence. Just an introduction. We're not going to get into everything that you could learn about physical intelligence, but we're joined by Martina Wagner, PhD, and Daniel Johnson, SBN, and they're going to dive into the conditioning of the mind in the modern day. So join me in welcoming Martina and Daniel. Hi guys, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Hi, Steve. Hi. Glad to have you with us. So um, for some people, this is going to be total left turn in Albuquerque for them. So can you explain in brief what you mean by physical intelligence? Sure. Um, I think the best way to do it is to explain uh, my background first. Um, <clears throat> as a child, I had dyslexia like a pretty severe form of dyslexia. I'd have trouble spelling words, three letter words like who, uh, get that wrong. So it was pretty bad. And I went through a whole process of trying to figure it out and I got so good, I got better than the experts. Um, and uh, I could talk shop with them. Some of it helped, but I never really got to the root of the problem. Through the process, I, uh, I uh, met up with um, a Taoist master. Um, so, and I wasn't really interested in anything you know, Eastern philosophy or anything like that. And I don't think that I still am. Um, but anyways, he did stuff with me that basically uh, where I would see results. So I started to see results. And I went through the, they make a long story short, I went through a long process of studying with him and spending time in a temple and a lot of stuff that most people in their sane mind would never consider doing. <laughs> but I was very motivated to, uh, to um, understand and overcome dyslexia. And through the process that I went through after a good number of years, um, not only did I, or I overcame dyslexia, not did I learn techniques on how to cope with it, but I totally overcame it. Um, and that was, was wonderful because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a writer and I couldn't do it because I had dyslexia. Um, but that was really what I call the unexpected side effect or benefit of, of uh, what I went through. Because in order to do that, I had to really... Um, study the mind at a very intimate level um, and learn to to understand how mind my mind worked and uh, 
by inference how other people's minds work and uh, and to really understand how the whole pa- how all the patterns in our mind really shape the way that we think um and through that i, I really developed a clarity and that's what really set me on the path to to um using uh this whole technique to shape and better my life to make my life successful and also to teach and help other people um and physical intelligence really is is the culmination of all of that um, it really all comes down to patterns everything in our life um, happens through pattern everything our body is pattern our mind is pattern um, our habits are pattern so our whole reality is essentially pattern but life isn't really pattern life changes all the time so that's why people have difficulty and pain in their lives a lot of times because they want things to be to stay the same whenever they want to make a change and flow and move with life they're bound by the patterns that they that govern them um people's memories people have a lot of difficulty making changes in their lives because in order to make a change you have to change patterns and patterns want to stay the same so uh, and whether that's a habit in your life like quitting smoking whether that's a relationship whether that's um developing new skills in your life it's all it all comes down to to pattern pattern in your life and changing pattern and the reason why people have a lot of different difficulty changing pattern in their lives is because they try to use their cognitive thinking their mind to do it but really pattern it's is a combination of a lot of aspects and patterns in your mind some of them cognitive some of them your thinking mind and some of them um have to do with your emotions your emotional mind some of them have to do with your physiological mind but really pattern change that i discovered happens at a more fundamental grassroots level um the way that i made changes in my life and could make changes in my life was i leveraged off all the experience that i learned um gaining control over my mind at that level through meditation and a lot of um very uh not so much difficult but they take a long time to learn exercises uh clearly most people don't want to invest that much time in their life but the next level really is the physical and the physiological level so to make changes in your life you want to get as close to the source and the physiological level is close to the source um for a lot of people and it doesn't require a lot of um as much um dedication and investment in time or as much expertise in understanding your mind you can make very fundamental changes in your life by keying into the physiological patterns the physical patterns in your body and the reason why it's difficult for most people is they don't they aren't so aware of them and mostly they use the wrong tools they try to use they try to use their cognitive mind and will it into Martina I hold a PhD in molecular biology from the University of Frankfurt in Germany. For more than 20 years now, I've held executive leadership positions in the healthcare industry working in the US, Europe, and most recently in Latin America. Together with Daniel, I founded Artis Humanis with the aim of bringing the concept of physical intelligence to healthcare and education systems. as well as businesses around the globe. So to tie in with what Daniel said earlier, I want to explain the concept of physical intelligence first using the example of soft skills and soft skill development. 
Let me start off with our definition of physical intelligence. Physical intelligence is composed by the vast landscape of patterns that are non-cognitive or subconscious in nature and reside in our mind and body. These patterns are important because they exert a great level of influence over our clarity of thought, emotions, and physiology. I, I realize that can take a moment to get your arms around this concept. Let me put it a different way. We consider physical intelligence to be our mon most fundamental intelligence. Uh, why is that? Physical intelligence permeates and influences our overall intelligence because it's the most fundamental patterns we're talking about here. So our emotional intelligence as well as our cognitive intelligence are really affected by it, which also means that it is critical for our mental performance, our balance and our physical well-being. What we have to understand is that this level of intelligence cannot be accessed by our cognitive mind. We have to use specific tools to access, control, and shape it. That is because uh, it's really composed and residing in the older parts of the brain that are emotional and physical in nature. So coming back to our example of honing our physical intelligence to improve social and soft skills. As we all know, hard skills are very important for our career success, it's the gating item really to get a job. But it's the soft skills, our personal capabilities that bring us the success in our role in our career overall. And there are some statistics that really prove and underline this. For instance, in 2014, there was a poll of more than 2,100 hiring managers which revealed that a whopping 77% of these hiring managers believed soft skills are just as important as hard skills when evaluating potential job candidates. 16% of them said that they were even more important. When we're talking about soft skills, uh, what are we talking about? Here's some examples, uh, clarity of thinking, ability to focus, your mental agility, and most importantly, the interpersonal skills like communication, work in teams, motivate in others, inspire and lead. Today's businesses really increasingly rely on cross-company collaborations, which means that they have to attract and find people that can really communicate effectively across these organizations. Unfortunately, according to Jeff Weiner, CEO of LinkedIn, interpersonal communications is a job skill that many American employees are lacking. Earlier this year, LinkedIn analyzed the skills of its members in 100 metropolitan areas and the skills required for the jobs available in those places. And to make a long story short, what they found is really a shortage of 1.4 million people with communication skills, which is an incredibly high number. So how do you develop soft skills? We conducted a survey of executive training programs and found that many of these training programs really recommend developing soft skills through 
emulating behaviors of a role model that they pick in, in the organization and a lot of practice. Remember Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert at something? Well, whether or not you believe this is true, we all know from experience that it takes a lot of practice to develop a new skill. The process is complex and not only requires time, but a lot of focus and dedication. Also, if we take a closer look at the process of skill development, we see that it involves changing our mindset, our thoughts to, to really manifest this new way of being and, and the behaviors that we want. And as we all know, sometimes the internal barriers are very high and they can prevent us from being successful in developing new skills because the, the, the physiology and emotions that we have simply get in the way. An effective way to build skills is inducing change at the pattern level, at this really fundamental level. This is where physical intelligence comes in. Taking the example of communication skills, we are using specific tools that we can access and induce directed change in our subconscious patterns to overcome fears, train our ability to deeply connect with others, as well as becoming more confident, poised, and in control when communicating one-on-one -on -one or in public to a larger audience. The key difference with using our physical intelligence is that we're not trying to achieve change through engaging our mental level or our logic to induce new behaviors. That is what most other types of trainings are doing. They're using uh, the approach of conceptual understanding, like learning concepts, reading books, and then trying to mentally apply these learnings to our behavior. Through accessing our physical intelligence, we go in at the fundamental pattern level, and that is how we effectively change current patterns. And that way is also that how we can learn and adapt with far less mental effort. So overall, I wanted to convey that whether we want to overcome unwanted patterns that we have or develop new patterns like these skill sets that we mentioned, learning how to access and shape our physical intelligence really has very important benefits. Let me tell you about one of my experiences in going through the process of developing a new soft skill. Before I started training with Daniel, I really had a hard time making eye contact and also the, the communication was a little bit more on the, on the rocky end side of things. As we all know, eye contact is hugely important to establishing trust, showing others that you are listening and to deeply connect with that person. This is definitely something that you can train, but in doing so, you have to deal with the emotions that overwhelm you when you're looking into someone's eyes. And, and that's really what happened to me. I kind of like just was feeling the, the fear. I couldn't really get in touch with this other person and, and look at them. And today, it, it it's really totally different. I don't even think about eye contact. It, it totally comes natural. Actually, my way of communicating has changed so much that when I want to talk to somebody, I totally look straight on at the person 
And I'm, I, it seems like I, I totally open all levels of perceptions. All my senses are in tune with that communication. And I'm trying to absorb as much information as possible at multiple levels about the person that I'm engaging in and communicating with. My mind is, is totally focused on the present moment and I'm le- listening and perceiving without judgment, just being open. Listening and, and communicating this way really gives me a whole lot insight about the person that I'm communicating with, about their message, what they're trying to insinuate. It's, it's such a completely different way of connecting, listening to what I was used to before is really no comparison. And the best part is I don't even have to think about it or do it on purpose. It just happens naturally. And I think it's really the way that we're supposed to interact, fully engaged with respect to the other person and no preconceived ideas uh, and really be very deeply connected with each other. Lastly, I wanted to leave you with a few other examples of results I was able to achieve honing my physical intelligence. It started off with developing a really rock-solid center. I don't know if many of you have had this feeling connecting to this part inside of yourself that is your center and have really feeling it. To me, it feels like a Roman column made of steel, stone, something really solid. And that is really my place of security, of inner strength. Um, It's this place of calmness, peace. And I really use it in very stressful situations. I I kind of like retract there and that's just a moment of, uh, I mean, it's very quick. I, I can go there, I can calm down, collect myself. And that really helps me to manage any type of situation around me with control and poise. And I think it also gives me a higher level of resilience. Uh, It's really like a a secret weapon that allows me to manage really turbulent times, negative events, any type of feedback that you really don't want to hear. And it also helps me to kind of like channel that conflict in these difficult situations while really maintaining poise, balance, and not letting things affect me. And therefore, I have the best way of uh, uh, deciding which type of action, what type of message I want to convey, and how I want to deal with the situation. On a mental level, my clarity of thinking really changed dramatically. A lot of filters were removed, improving my ability for critical reasoning and to clearly express the ideas and messages I want to communicate. But not only that, my perception, just like with people, it's also perception of of, uh, things around me, of the environment, also the perspective kind of like just really broadened. And my overall mental agility was greatly enhanced, which... All of these things together really allow me to deal much more effectively with unexpected and critical situations that require presence of mind and also really creative problem-solving approaches to be able to handle these new types of situations. 
on an emotional level, it is far easier for me, as I mentioned earlier, to connect with others at a deep level with empathy, which not only improves collaboration and teamwork, but allows me to effectively understand, communicate, and also persuade people, which is important in my corporate role, because there I have to successfully be able to communicate and persuade a great variety of people I deal with, uh, ranging from lab technicians to key opinion leaders and decision makers of medical institutions, as well as Ministry of Health officials. And I'm doing that all in different languages, which adds another level of complexity. Inspired by the great results I was able to achieve tapping into my physical intelligence, I, I really wanted to share this effective and pragmatic approach with anyone that is interested in overcoming limiting patterns and developing skill sets, as well as achieve personal balance and well-being, because it's all of these things that uh, tapping into our physical intelligence we can really achieve. So I combined my scientific expertise and experience from my uh, history and working in the corporate environment with Daniel's pragmatic approach, and we created a training framework called the Seven Minds Program to access and shape our physical intelligence. And we explain more of that in the book. Since we can only cover a few highlights of physical intelligence here today, we wanted to invite you uh, to find out more by visiting our, our website, which is www.physicalintelligence.guru, to first of all, uh, get a copy of the book, and also uh, have the option to sign up to participate in one of our workshops. And as a special gift for you to, for being with us here today, we wanted to offer you the first chapter of the book for free. I love the phrase, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Your mind is so powerful. And if you have the ability to come up with it, and it doesn't have to be your own idea. You can listen to, uh, you know, people on the radio, different things like that. And you can find an idea when you can conceive of that. And then you can believe in it. You can actually put your faith and your trust and your hope and your belief into that. Then you can achieve it. I love that concept, what you can conceive and believe you can achieve. It's the greatest most powerful way to control what's in your life, to control your world, is by conceiving of a, a better life, of a better place, and then determining what that is, and then believing in it, and finding yourself taking the steps to get there, controlling what you do so that you can make it to that final destination. I hope one of those destinations in your life is to be a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to us today here on Thriving Entrepreneur. While we talk about the transformations that you can make in your life, the ways to control what you're doing and move yourself in the most powerful, passionate way towards the best version of who you are and what you're meant to do in this world. Um, You do have the control over that. Again, like I said in the opening statement, there are so many things in this world that we don't have control over. Other people's actions is the hard one. You know, we, uh, we wish that people who have offended us, people who have wronged us, people who have hurt us deeply, we wish that we had the ability to change that, to not ever have had that in our lives. Um, and even sometimes to somehow create something that is going to make them understand, make them sometimes pay for it is, is how we're reacting. Um, you know, and as much as we would like to have that, we can't control that. The truth of the matter is, is that forgiveness, when we do it, forgiveness is for ourselves. When we live in a place of unforgiveness, we wrap chains around ourselves that keep us away from our purpose, our destiny, our maximum capability because of that unforgiveness that sticks within us and holds us back. That other person who wronged us, as wrong as they were, they're off living their life. The things that daily they control you because you've given the control to them, they don't even know they have it. And so I encourage you today to take that control that can be yours, take it back. It starts from forgiveness for yourself to release the need to hold on to those things no matter how horrible. That's not diminishing what they were or how horrible it was, but it's simply a matter of releasing yourself from even one more moment of being connected to it, to allow yourself to be free. That's the greatest thing you can control is your ability to forgive and release and then allow yourself to move forward. You don't have to move forward with that person. You don't have to relate to that person. You can reach your destiny, your destination. And you can do it if you're free to do it. But as long as you have yourself anchored to something in the past, whether it was five minutes ago or 50 years ago, until you release that anchor... Your ship can't move from that point. And because of that, you're cheating not only yourself, but more importantly, the world. Because you have a message within you. It's powerful. 
what you've been through, regardless, big or small, in your evaluation, it's huge in the real world. There is somebody who what you do now with grace and ease, what you've come through in spite of all the things, they're in the midst of, they're looking for the answer for, and they need you to share it. And that's why it is so important, so necessary, so powerful for us to share our story with the world. One of the best ways, of course, you know, Kathy and I really encourage writing books. I encourage you to get it written down. Yes, I also encourage you to go on Facebook, do uh, audio type of things. I mean, obviously, I have my own radio show. I believe very much in this format of having it uh, verbally, audio-wise recorded for posterity, but writing it down so that future generations and even people right now can learn from it is so massively, powerfully important. And as long as you're writing it down, and as long as you know that when you do write it down, you need to share it to help somebody else. Because your message was never for you. Your transformation isn't just so you can sit back and go, look at what I've transformed from. It's to share with somebody else so that they too can have that breakthrough. And then they can share with somebody else and so on and so on. Passing it forward and making our world a better place. So as long as you're writing that story and you're sharing it, make it a book. And why not make that book a bestseller? We would love to help you in that process. As you've heard many times throughout this show, Kathy and I run a group. It's called Best Sellers Guild. You just go to bestsellersguild.com, ask to join. It's a free group. We would love to have you as part of it and to be able to celebrate your message as it gets shared with the world. Because you need to understand you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose, very specifically, and the world needs you. Kathy and I are here to help you share that message with the world so that you can control the things in life that are yours to control on your side of the net and make this world a better place to take each step of every day and move yourself forward to being a thriving entrepreneur. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because 
it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.